This podcast is sponsored by Underdog. Want to make money making picks on MLB games? Then you have to try Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. In Underdog's Pick'em game, you just pick your favorite baseball players and predict whether they will go higher or lower on stats like strikeouts, hits, and more. Pick the two to five players, get all your picks right, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Be sure to sign up with the promo code PITCHERLIST and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 so you have some bonus cash to start playing with. Again, that's underdogfantasy.com or underdogfantasy in the app store. Sign up with promo code PITCHERLIST and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Must be 18 year older, 19 year older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit www.ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1 800 Next Step. In New York, call 1 877 8 Hope NY. In Tennessee, call 1 800 889 to Hacks and Jacks of Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am Joe Galina. And as always, I'm joined by my buddy, Scott Chu. How's it going today, Scott? Not too bad. Not too bad at all. I got a dinosaur shirt with some matching socks on, so I'm feeling very much myself. And I'm hoping that your silky smooth voice can help these babies fall asleep while we record this podcast because my voice is not working. (laughs) <laughs> well, hopefully, uh, just tell him uh, Uncle Jogalina is here and everything's okay. So, um, so how many uh, dinosaur shirts do you own? Uh, uh okay, like you, 10? Uh, 10? Okay, cool, 10. cool. I was gonna say if 10. you can't if you can't count that high, it's fine. It's great. I mean, it's awesome. Uh, I'm just uh, yeah. I just love to see what what you're wearing next. You know, every week is something different. Um, Oh, yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I keep it real. That That's mm-hmm. that's how I have fun now. I do mm-hmm. this and I wear dinosaur clothes. There you go. Awesome. So uh, next time you're in New York, we're going to go to the uh, Museum of Natural History and we'll check out the, the dinosaur uh, section. I'm sure you'll get a kick out of it. I was certain you were going to say kids museum. That's usually the response I get when I wear something like this. It'll be, you know, no, someone from your... the gas station or the breakfast <laughs> restaurant. They're like, oh, my God, my nephew would love that shirt. And I'm like, how old's your nephew? He's six every time. But By the way, you're a big fan of the Jurassic Park movies or just, you know. You know they're, they're all, you know, they're all right. I got I got nothing against them. Yeah, yeah. Um, It's less that, like, I do like dinosaurs, but it's mm-hmm. less that I want to know everything about them like I did when I was a kid. And now I'm right. just like, dinosaurs are cool. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay. Um, so we're recording this episode on August 26th. It's Saturday. We usually record on Sunday, and the podcast debuts on Monday. So podcast will still debut on Monday. You're listening to this on Monday or later in the week. But just in case any news breaks uh, about players that we talk about today and uh, we don't cover it, that's why. It, you know. And the reason why, Scott, I appreciate you changing your schedule. The reason why I asked you to – the recorded day early is because uh today on saturday uh my daughter had bought me tickets i think it was either for father's day or my birthday to the jets giants exhibition game so we're going there later today uh, i'm a giants fan and uh but it's, uh, you know gonna be a lot of fun aaron Rodgers gonna make his uh preseason debut so uh you know i appreciate you 
moving it up. And, and tomorrow on Sunday, we have some plans as well. So, um, you know, and, and it's amazing. This is our last podcast for the month of August, Scott. And there's college football games on today. So time is just really ramping up, man. Yeah, I mean, the one nice thing about the college football season is they also sort of have a preseason. Like, there's just very few meaningful games week one, Mm -hmm. uh, which makes sense. A lot of coaches are, you know, doing tune-ups. And with how short – I mean, college football is the opposite of baseball, right? Because every game completely matters. Sure. You can't can't take – I mean, in baseball, you can't take a week off. But, like, if you lose five in a row, that doesn't really mean anything necessarily, right? Right. Um, you could have just run into a buzzsaw, all these things. If you lose two games in college football, uh, you now really like you need the rest of your schedule to look very strong and you have to win all those games just mm-hmm. for a shot at the playoff. Whereas right, right now, the Minnesota Twins uh, can just keep falling backwards down the elevator or down the escalator and make it. They'll make yeah. it. They'll be fine. Yeah, they can't fall out of first place, even if they tried, and they've been trying, right? <laughs> I mean, so. I mean they, they're trying desperately, but no, like the other teams in the division are just so bad. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so let's, let's talk about what's been going on. Uh, just to, I'll, I'll mention it briefly. Uh, Steven Strasburg uh, announced that he plans on retiring. And what I remember about Strasburg um, was when he made his debut, it was like a, a – uh, national event when it came to you know baseball itself i remember uh the mlb network debuted his his uh first start it was it was a huge deal i mean i remember i was working at bear stearns the now defunct investment firm uh and i was just really looking forward to getting home and putting on the game at seven o'clock you know after dinner and just watching him and if i recall he had a really good uh first start and has had a, a good career, unfortunately, marred by injuries. I'm glad that he was able to win a World Series with the Nationals. But any thoughts about, just in general, Steven Strasburg? Yeah, it's a real good thing they limited his innings in that first season. You really saved him, you know, for the long run. Well, imagine, you know, maybe his, his career would have been cut in half if they hadn't. But uh... what, So he wouldn't have played? <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I, I always liked Steven Strasburg. I'm glad he did get his, uh, you know, he, he won a world series. He, he's got a, a great, you know, he's had a really good career. It's funny because he's been in and out so much lately. Um, he pitched 200 innings in 2019. And since then across like all, uh, you know, like all levels between 2020, 2021 and 2022, he has like 40 or 50 innings and that's it. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Across all levels, that includes rehab starts, all this stuff. So yep. uh, it just hasn't hasn't panned out. The velocity was way way down. We saw him a little bit last season. He was throwing ninety, right, instead of ninety. You know, when he was at his peak, ninety six. Um, even you know he was still good in 2018, 2019, throwing ninety four. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think you know, good for him. He knows that his body's had enough. You know, I think at some point when you've been out that long, you start wondering what you're coming back for. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, what am I doing all this for on a terrible nationals team? Um, you know, it, rehab is hard, man. Sure. Like, It's not. Yeah, it I know that some players have been in the news recently about, you know, uh, maybe not liking baseball, Anthony Rendon, that kind of thing. But but man, like rehab from these injuries, it's hard. It's this constant uphill battle. It's painful. Uh, and I think at some point you just decide that you don't want to do it anymore. 
Yeah. Um, especially or, or, when you know, that he, you know, if he does it, it's just not going to, the benefit isn't going to be there. I mean, you know, he, he, he's only 33, but has had a really overall, a really good career, 3.24 ERA. Um, and, and 2019, he had 18 wins, but uh, I, I guess, you know, I like what you said, you know, yeah. he kind of realizes I'm, that the writing is on the wall. Yeah. And, and I'm jealous, right? So um, he's, yeah, you know, I, I just looked. He's thirty-five because he's a month younger. Oh, right, than me. right. I apologize. Yeah, he was Must thirty-three nice. in twenty twenty-two. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. he is. No, no, no. It's it, he's he's literally a month younger than me. He's retiring and has oodles of money. He's still owed tons of money over the next uh, three seasons: twenty, mm. twenty-four, twenty-five, and twenty-six. And you know, I'm I'm just jealous. That's what it really is. is I'm jealous. Mm. I don't have a World Series ring, and I don't get to retire at thirty-five. <laughs> All right. Well, um, you have a very successful career. I have nothing to be jealous of, uh, my friend. So uh, you mentioned Rendon, and uh, we're going to talk about the Angels now and obviously uh, all that went on this past week. I didn't hear the Rendon news. What, what, what happened? He said he doesn't like baseball. I mean, I don't even remember what it was, but he's he's had some interviews where he's like they asked him if he watches baseball uh, uh-huh. in his free time. And he uh-huh. said no, because he thinks it's kind of boring. Um, which, which, but, but also that makes sense, right? Like I don't watch, like, I kind of don't watch lawyer shows because (laughs) I'm an attorney and like, I don't, I don't like to bring work home with me. Right. Like no Boston legal, no Boston legal reruns or LA law reruns uh, for you. No, I I like the YouTuber legal Eagle because he's just, he's really good, but that's more like information than it is pure entertainment for me. Mm -hmm. Um, but like I get it right. Like you play baseball all day. Yeah. You work on baseball. Would you go home and then just watch a game on an off day? Like maybe if not. A Rod, you would. Uh, Alex Rodriguez. I, I remember reading stories about him. You know, after a game, uh, and when him and Jeter's were tight, uh, Jeter's. Uh, when him and Derek Jeter were tight, Jeter went to hang out with him at his apartment, and it's after a you know a long game, and A Rod's just watching more baseball, and Jeter was like, "What the heck are you doing?" <laughs> you know? you know? uh, but uh, he was a true fan. I'm not a big A Rod fan, but uh, he would just watch baseball 24 seven if he could. Yeah, and I mean that's cool, but does that like did is that what made him better? No, right? Like so, I we I, know what made him better. Well, he was really good to start off with, but we know what made him even better but anyway yeah i i think the one the one takeaway I, i'd have for anyone out there that like downgrade yeah that you know if you're downgrading anthony rendon it's because he's played poorly and has been hurt a lot yes you know it's not because he doesn't yeah you know, the fact he doesn't watch baseball in his free time just doesn't really have any impact on everything else he does mm-hmm. uh because i don't care if he watches baseball in his free time mm-hmm. right i care that he focuses on baseball in his not free time right, right. like while mm-hmm. he's working and sure. he seems to do that he just doesn't i mean rendon he was uh he was he, he had a little bit of buzz as a sleeper coming into the season i was never a big fan of what of the production to expect uh and you know unfortunately it, it turned out that he wasn't going to be able to stay healthy yet again and even when yeah. he did there's just you know the the production's not there anymore and again not unlike strasburg right like it I'm not I'm not saying that he's going to retire or anything, but at least from a fantasy perspective, um, we've seen him a bit between 2021 and 2023. And it's just not there. There's no like the power's gone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And those uh, three seasons, uh, 21 through 23, has a 235 batting average with 13 home runs in 148 games in those three seasons. So you're right. The power's gone and uh, he has proven to be 
very injury prone. But um, the big story, obviously, this week, uh, unless you are hiding someplace or traveling uh, somewhere in a remote area, <laughs> that uh, Shohei Otani was diagnosed with a torn ulnar collateral ligament. That happened on Wednesday. Um, he had sk- skipped his last start as a as a pitcher, uh, citing arm fatigue. And uh, I don't know, ESPN saying that he supposedly tore it on a 94-mile-per-hour fastball that he threw to Christian and Carcion Strand. I don't know if, if that's actually true, but he was pitching in game one of a doubleheader, had hit a home run already, his 44th of the season, obviously was taken out. But then he was the DH in the second game of that doubleheader on Wednesday on that same day. Uh, I guess the good news, if you roster um, Otani, is that he was in the lineup as a DH on Friday night against the Mets, was one for two with a double, three walks, one was intentional. But obviously his season as a, as a pitcher is over, uh, but he's getting a second opinion and Scott, as long as he's in the Angels lineup, I'm continuing to start him. Yeah, and you should, mm-hmm. right? So uh, we've seen him play through uh, with with the injured uh, UCL through a full season, right? He did that in 2019, his second year uh, in the big leagues. You might look at the numbers and say, oh, he was worse. He only had 18 home runs and 12 stolen bases. Of course, this is his second year in the bigs, and he hadn't made a lot of the improvements that he's made now, right? Um, and also... Worth noting that uh, he only he played 106 games. Uh, he got some more off time, things like that. Uh, I was early in his contract. And so like the WRC plus was still 120, right? Like the guy, his, you know, OPS was like 848, right? Like he was, he was hitting the ball hard. Otani, you know, rest of season. He's not really moving on the hitter list unless I, unless I get some kind of news that they're going to play him less, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but otherwise, I mean, he's, he's still in the lineup. He's still playing. He had his eighth hardest hit ball of the season. I believe uh, yesterday with the torn UCL, (laughs) right. Uh, You know, and the angels did come out and say like, Oh, Hey, you know, he told us he had fatigue. This is the first we heard of pain. Mm -hmm. Right. And sometimes fatigue and, you know, in spring training, we talk about as a potential, you know, potential issue that they're getting arm fatigue, but it's also kind of normal, not weird for him to necessarily get arm fatigue either. They were pitching uh, him know, once was, a week did, anyway, right? I mean, they were kind of, yeah, I mean, him. yeah, he was, he was on pace to get to about what he did last season, uh, Otani mm-hmm. with, which is about 160 to 170 innings, which quite frankly is a full season as far yeah. as we're concerned, sure. right? In, in yeah. the current Today, day, yes. 160 mm-hmm. to 170 innings. I mean, that that's what you expect from, mm-hmm. you know, maybe like the, the top, top starters, are in that group because they pitch more than that. Mm-hmm. But like, you don't really move a guy down that much because he pitches 160 to 170 because the 180 inning pitcher just isn't around anymore. They don't right. do that as much. So, you know, it, it, it is a bummer. He probably moves down slightly in those daily, uh, the daily leagues where it's one Otani. Now mm-hmm. you're really looking at him as just the hitter in weekly leagues where it's one Otani or, um, you know, or in leagues where there are two Otanis, the hitter doesn't really change much, like mm-hmm. I was mentioning before. So if you're in one of those leagues where Otani was a hitter and a pitcher, you were probably hitting him almost every single time, unless mm-hmm. maybe you had a really deep roster and the Angels were against the A's or something. Uh, but otherwise, you were putting him in the hitter slot. This doesn't change any of that. Right. And we're not saying he needs Tommy John surgery, but he's getting a second opinion. But uh, it would it would be his second TJ surgery of, of uh, his career since he's been playing in the U.S. and and uh, he actually came back fairly 
quickly. You know, he missed uh, part of the, the start of the following season after he had the Tommy John surgery originally. And, uh, you know, he was, you know, I think it's worth mentioning that there's always going to be a lot of people this time of year that are like, just shut him down, shut him down totally mm-hmm. because of his contract. First of all, he's going to make a boatload of money, whether or not he, you know, first of all, if he has the surgery now versus in a month and a half or two months from now, it doesn't really change his outlook for the 2024 season. He's not pitching. Right. right? I mean, right. It, it's that it's that simple. He's not pitching and he will likely miss. He might miss a little bit of time in 2025 as he ramps back up, right? Yeah. In terms of pitching, mm-hmm. right? So the pitching might be a little bit behind. Uh, but as far as the hitter is concerned, look, we've seen players struggle with power a little bit after a torn UCL, right? Mm-hmm. We saw uh, Bryce Harper earlier this season, yep. maybe lose some lose power potentially because of that. We saw Max Muncy the year before potentially lose out on a little bit of power because of that. But keep in mind, those surgeries were like right before the season started or as the season started. Mm-hmm. Right. And then they came back and then were slow when they came back mm-hmm. or, you know, or things like that. Or like, you know, Muncy was much, much older. You know, he's in his, you know, he was in his mid thirties when he had the surgery. Otani will not be 30 when he has the surgery unless mm-hmm. he waits a full year to do it. Uh, his birthday was last month. So, you know, I, I'm not concerned about Otani the hitter because of this at all. And I also think, you know, I I expect him to play. I expect him to make sure that he uh, will qualify for the batting title. He's third in line for the batting title. He's not going to get it. That's going to be Yandy Diaz or maybe Boba Chet. Uh, He's too far behind both those guys, like 10 points of average. You could see it happen, but probably not. But either way, Otani wants to probably make sure he gets his MVP because as long as he plays most of the season, he's got it. Uh, The next closest guy is, you know, uh, Bobby Witt Jr. has gained some ground. Mm. Julio Rodriguez has gained a little ground, but like it's Otani as long sure. as he plays. But if he shuts down right now, yes. mm-hmm. you, you never know with these voters, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. someone might say, well, you can't be the MVP if you if you missed a whole month, mm. right? Like, I mean, straight straight out of, you know, the bad scenes in Moneyball, right? Like mm. that kind of stuff can happen. So, um, you know, I, I push back a little bit on the folks that say it's best for his career to have it done right now. I think it makes no impact whether he does mm-hmm. it now or in a month and a half. Right. Well, he was getting a second opinion, so we'll see what happens. But, um, you know, I roster him in one league, and like I said, I'm just going to keep uh, rolling him out there as a hitter. So, uh, Angel's got an, uh, some more bad news, unfortunately. Mike Trout uh, went back on the injured list. Uh, he's been dealing uh, with a fractured left hammock bone. Last played before he was reinstated. Last played on July 3rd. Uh, played Tuesday, went one for four, but said that the uh, the pain was just too much. Was trying to you know play through the pain, um, and he says he's coming back before the end of the season. Um, usually with this type of injury, it's like a six to eight week recovery time. But uh, in terms of Trout, I mean, are, are you hoping that he comes back? In terms of if you roster him, you know, I mean. You know who who would you drop him for anyway at this at this stage? What what are you thinking about Trout? Yeah, so I guess if you have like no IL, you're in a little bit of a tougher bind. Keep in mind that this injury actually happened in early July, right? Mm-hmm. He went back on the IL uh, in on like over Independence Day weekend, mm-hmm. so it's been six weeks. It's not, and it's not like he was in rehab games and it felt fine, and all of a sudden it felt worse. Mm-hmm. He did not play in any rehab games. He came back. It, he thought it was good. It probably felt good in, in BP. And then in the real game, it didn't feel good. So he'll be down for at least 10 more days. But unless I, and so what I'm looking for is 
you know, 10 days from now is still, you know, plenty of time, right? So 10 days from now puts you into the first week of September, um, probably like mid, mid that week. So like September 6th, September 7th, something like that. Um, even if he's only going to miss, you know, if he, if he's going to miss the first half of September, um, I might be keeping him. Of course, my playoffs matter. Right. So when leagues that don't go all the way to September. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that matters a little. If, if I'm in a roto league where it goes all the way through, um, I'd love to have Trump for the, or trout for those last two weeks. (laughs) Right. I'd love to have him. Uh, I mean, the other guy's a lot busier, uh, but I'd like to have, um, (laughs) a lot busier these days. Uh, I'd, I'd like to have trout for those last two weeks. If I can get him right. Mm -hmm. Uh, A couple more home runs. Uh, I mean, Good, good race. I mean, he he does so many things so well, right? Sure. So if I'm in a tight race, there's no one better. Like no, no one on the wire can do what Trump can do. Or God, Trout can do in two weeks. <laughs> I don't know, man. I read. I, I was catching up on news yesterday. Is what happened, and he's been in it a bit lately. Has uh, he? Uh, with, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, with with what, is Trout. the apprentice coming back or something? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, once he gets a few legal matters cleared up, uh, um, with with Trout, I'm kind of eyeing that week of the 11th, September 11th. Um, that I'm only saying the 11th because it's a Monday, not because it you know it has plenty of other significance, of sure. course. But uh, that week, if I if he's not coming back that week. Then you start saying like, okay, especially in a head to head where your playoffs mm-hmm. might be done by then, then you start, you know, being like, okay, if I need this IL spot, I can move on. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, again, who's, who's on your IL that's better. Right. Like on your that, it's just yeah. not, that's the key. Yeah. I mean, I mean we'll, we'll talk so, about in the next segment, we'll talk about a couple of guys. I don't think that they're better, but we'll just talk about some, some, some newbies. Uh, but you're right. I mean, really nobody could, Obviously, he's one of the top uh, few players in the game, even though yeah. uh, the, he's had his issues. The real lately. big impact here for me is that it just, you know, especially with, you know, Otani, if we start seeing Otani get days off and Trout's gone, it makes this Angels lineup one, something to absolutely target when you're streaming pitching, mm-hmm. right? Um, because, like, right now, the three, four, five is Drury, Mustaskis, Rengifo. Right? I got nothing against those guys and they're, they're interesting in their own little ways in deep leagues, but like, that's not murderers row. No. Right. And you know, it does mean that Nolan Shawnell is going to continue to play. Yeah. I was going to bring right? him so up, he, uh, batting yeah, lead he, off in six of his seven starts so far. And actually, yeah. And you know, he is very interesting in points and OBP, mm-hmm. right? Uh, he, he's got a really funny stat line where his, <laughs> His OBP of 516 is like 150 points higher than his slug. He has mm-hmm. zero extra base hits mm-hmm. so far. He's got eight hits, none of them for extras, mm-hmm. right? So, again, it's very early. It's only been a couple of games. I'm not saying he's never going to hit an extra base hit. But power is not what you should be expecting from Sean L uh, right now. If you're getting him, it's because he can he can get on base. And in points leagues, those singles are still runs too. He scored six runs in his first seven games, obviously because he's batting lead off in six of his seven starts. Yeah. And hitting right in front of Shohei Otani. Right. Right. Like that, Mm -hmm. that's a big deal. Now we did see Sean L sit against a lefty uh, recently. So, you know, I I don't know how they could do that with any sort of consistency because they don't have many other options. Mm -hmm. Like Brandon Drury can play first and Moose can play first, but um, we've only seen one the 
the the Angels have only seen one lefty uh, since they've called him up. And so I, I guess maybe keep an eye on that. I'm not sure they're going to see a whole lot of lefties anyway. Mm-hmm. Like I'm looking at their upcoming schedule and I don't see a lot. Um, David Peterson is coming up uh, on Sunday. So we'll see if Sean L gets the day off then too. Then maybe it's a platoon and then I'm way less interested because this is a ratios only play right. uh, and maybe some runs scored if you're lucky. But yeah, Sean L again, he's the interesting guy. Maybe Moose in a very deep league. Ren Gifo is, is a slappy sort of hitter. He can be kind of interesting. Brandon Drury has been really good. His reputation is way worse than his actual production. Mm-hmm. Drury has yeah. been good when he's yeah. played this season. Moniac's going to be getting some playing time, continuing to get some some playing time, but, you know. Yeah, Moniac is the one I'm the least interested by a wide margin. More playing time for him. I mean, I've I've talked about him before. Mm -hmm. He's bad at hitting strikes. Uh, His success was really fueled by a lot of line drives and probably some very conservative approaches by pitching to attack him. They've figured him out. Uh, They know that he'll swing and miss a lot, that he won't walk. So Moniac's not the one. Seanel, maybe. I but I'll, I'd hate to see him in a platoon because then I can't recommend him in like any 12-teamer. Right, right. All right. So I think this is a good spot for us to take our first break. And when we come back, we'll uh, talk about a few of the recent call-ups. A little bit uh, a little lackluster list in my opinion, but I want to get your opinion on them too, Scott. See if any fantasy value could uh, be found uh, from them. So uh, we'll talk about those players right after this. This podcast is sponsored by Underdog. Want to make money making picks on MLB games and you have to try Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. In Underdog's Pick'em game, you just pick your favorite baseball players and predict whether they will go higher or lower on stats like strikeouts, hits, and more. Pick to two to five players, get all your picks right, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Be sure to sign up with the promo code PITCHERLIST and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 so you have some bonus cash to start playing with. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy com or underdog fantasy in the app store sign up with promo code pitcher list and get your first deposit doubled up to $100 must be 18 year older 19 year older in Alabama and Nebraska 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates terms apply concerned with your play call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org in Arizona call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in New York call 1-877-8 Hope and why in Tennessee call 1-800-889-9789. Fads come and go and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. 
And we're back, Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. Joe Galina and Scott Chu. You could uh, follow me on the app formerly known as Twitter, at Joe Galina, and follow my man Scott Chu, at If the Chew Fits. And, uh, oh, b- before uh, we talk about those players that have been recently called up, uh, your guy, uh, O'Neill Cruz, got some uh, some bad news. It looks like his season may be in jeopardy. We were hoping that he would maybe come back for the month of, of September, but he's been on the injured list since undergoing left ankle surgery, and uh, it looks uh, he should have been back right about by now, I guess. But uh, they say that uh, he's doesn't look like he's close to returning. So at this stage, it uh, looks like you need to cut ties with him if you need that IL spot. Yeah, so they shut down his running, um, which is what he needs to be doing to to get back on the field. He's a shortstop, after all. Uh, they do shuffle a little bit here and there. So, yeah, it's hard to see him now coming back and even getting to 10 games. That's the problem. So originally, we thought he could be back by the end of this month or maybe the first week of September. And he could have been a real big addition, man. I loved what O'Neill Cruz was doing at the plate, like the plate discipline, 40 plate appearances, 17 and percent walk rate, only a 20% strikeout rate. We weren't quite seeing all of the power uh, when, you know, in that very small sample, but there was no question that he can still hit the ball hard, right? Like he mm-hmm. still hit a 115 mile an hour ball, uh, he was just having a little bit of an issue getting balls in the air. His hard hit rate was down, but again, only 25 batted balls. So like, that's not really anything to think about too hard. Uh, the plate discipline though, the, the decision-making that was so much better. Mm-hmm. So hopefully he's not losing any of that. And I think that he might get undervalued in, in drafts next season uh, just because he, you know, one more year where we see very little of him is not a ton, mm-hmm. right? Um, but you know, in those nine games, three steals and a home run, the great discipline, man, I'm, I'm excited about what he can do. He's just not going to do it this year. Could be a nice sleeper next year. Like you, like you kind of alluded to, uh, but, uh, sad that, uh, you know, not might not get a chance to see him play again this season. Uh, but we'll follow that, uh, and see what happens. But, uh, it's a so for I, Pirates I, fans, not a whole lot else to watch there except for Kutch going for 300 home runs. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Brian Reynolds. Yeah. Basically. And David Bednar, uh, the, and the, the season started so promising too. Right. Uh, but unfortunately they, they regressed, but we'll see what happens. Uh, good fan base. Uh, like the pirates fan base love the, you know, I'd love to visit the park and I will one day, but, uh, uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, let's talk about some of the players that got called up this week. My Yanks made some moves. Uh, GM Brian Cashman kind of had a mea culpa press conference earlier in the week. And the Yanks uh, called up Everson Pereira. Uh, it's spelled P-E-R-E-I-R-A in case you're looking for him on uh, baseball reference or fan graphs or StatCast, or PitcherList, wherever you get your information from. But uh, left fielder that's going to play every day. He's got some power, but he also strikes out a lot, Scott. First four games, two for 15, seven strikeouts, which is a very small sample size, but that's a, almost a 44% strikeout rate. One, two, three strikes, you're out! Had 18 home runs, 64 RBI, 11 stolen bases in a 81 games for a combination of uh, games that he played for the Yanks double-A and triple-A affiliate. Really a free swinger. Yanks have been batting him seventh. I guess the one thing that you could take on this is that he's going to be playing every day, uh, but 
uh, any interest in uh, Pereira? In a 12-teamer? No, not not really. Um, he was hitting quite well in the minors this season uh, in both AA and AAA, but it's also worth noting he was striking out a lot there too. Yeah. Right? It's really hard to see these guys come up with 28 29% strikeout rates in the minor leagues uh, because in the majors – it gets much, much worse. There's things you can get away with in the minor leagues, both as a pitcher and as a hitter. And you can't do that in the big leagues, right? In the minor leagues, you can lay off a lot of breaking balls because most of them won't go for strikes, mm -hmm. right? They, they just don't, right? Or they'll hang them or something like that. And, and that's why one, pitchers who hang too many pitches can still dominate in the minors because a lot of those guys will just see breaking ball and say, no, thanks, mm -hmm. right? They just won't swing at it. So in the majors, you have to be willing to swing at breaking balls and you have to be able to hit them, mm -hmm. right? And usually what we see with young guys who strike out too much, either they're too willing to swing at breaking balls, right? They get fooled too much by sliders and changes, or um, they won't swing at them and get themselves so far behind, like get themselves behind in the count early and then are stuck swinging at pitches they wouldn't normally swing at because they're already behind in the count, mm -hmm. right? Um, that's actually not, uh, that's, that's not a good sign usually. And unfortunately, again, very, very few plate appearances for prayer, but he's actually, uh, seen strike one as the first pitch 93.8% of the time so far. Wow. So if you're wondering exactly what's happening with him, um, it's that he's chasing, you know, he's got no swing close to 50%. Again, these are all very, very early metrics. So you don't want to read too far into them, but he's chasing stuff. And a lot of it is likely because he's behind immediately. Mm -hmm. And that is not a good way for a rookie to succeed. So I'm, I'm worried about Everson Pereira this season. I think long-term there's something there, but again, I, I don't love players that strike out too much in the minors. And I don't love players who have subpar hit tools. This is a guy whose hit tools rarely graded above 30 or 35. Uh, and it's very hard to succeed that way. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just, just really, really hard. You can be tooled out six ways from Sunday, but if you don't have a good hit tool, you're just, not going to find the success that you hope for yeah. uh, a guy that, you know, Pereira sort of reminds me of, and I, I'm not a huge prospect guy, um, but I, I sort of worry that he sort of got some Esteban Florial to him, which was plenty of tools, power and speed and struck out way too much all the time and just mm -hmm. couldn't find any sort of traction because once, you know, major leaguers will strike you out. So, you know, Pereira in dynasty leagues, there's still plenty of out. You know, I think there's still some value here. Uh, but he probably gets more hype than he should as a Yankees prospect. And he's really got to start figuring out how to avoid strike one. Again, only 16 plate appearances, mm -hmm. right? Like I'm not saying that this is a permanent problem. It'll never go away. It's just, it's very typical of players with this profile to fall behind in counts really often. And it makes it hard for them to succeed because it's hard enough to succeed in the big leagues when you're, you know, when you're in an even count, mm -hmm. uh, it's much more difficult when you're behind. So that's something, but it's a very teachable thing for Pereira, right? Yeah. Uh, seeing these pitches, working with Yankees hitting coaches, theoretically, he could figure this out, um, but it's going to take some time. It's going to be some growing pains. I'm not really rostering him in 12-teamers right now. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. But the, the one thing uh, that should help him to work through this issue with the, you know his free-swinging ways uh, is the fact that Basically, he's going to be playing every day. So, uh, like you said, hopefully uh, new uh, Yankee batting coach, uh, Sean Casey, could help him out. And uh, basically, the Yankees, are, you know, they've thrown in the towel, as they should, and they're, they're kind of desperate, and that's why they're just 
seeing what they have in the minor leagues. And I'll just bring up another prospect who's not with the big league club, but just got recently promoted to AAA, Jason Dominguez. And you spell his first name, J-A-S-S-O-N. So he had been playing for the Yanks, double-A um, affiliate. Started off slow, but then ended up uh, getting hot. Uh, 15 home runs, 66 RBI uh, for the double-A affiliate. And uh, started off pretty hot with the triple-A affiliate. He just got promoted to triple-A. So, you know, you might see him get called up in September. Um, so just, you know, keep him in your pocket just uh, as someone on your watch list. And it seems like yeah. that – I was just going to mention, and uh, then you can make a comment. The International League seems to be becoming the new PCL, very hitter friendly lately. But I'm sorry for interrupting you. No, no, no. I, I was the one interrupting. First of all, uh, from the I'm the attorney on the podcast, but you're the one dropping Latin phrases. Mea culpa, my yeah. fault. I'm not even sure it was like I, I felt. I felt that was a really weird press conference and like thing for him to say because really the reason he did it is because Billy McKinney got hurt. If Billy McKinney didn't get hurt, they were probably just going to keep playing the same guys they had been playing. Uh, right. I don't know so, with the way that the fan base has been on him and Boone. I th- I think he probably felt like he had to do something. You know, the, he got the, an excuse to do the right thing. Yeah, uh, and he took yeah. it at least. Yeah, yeah. So you and know, by the uh, way, they're raising I mean, ticket prices for next year after this tremendous season that they're having. <laughs> you know, the the uh, season ticket holders just got their renewals in the mail, and prices have gone up. Go figure. Yeah, hey, it's that economy, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the Yankees just don't make enough money. That's the problem. No, they don't. Uh, the, uh, you know, Jason Dominguez, again, not someone I'm probably going to be immediately interested in in 12 teamers for 2022. I think there might be some back end intrigue in 2023. He was a massive prospect when he uh when he first came out. Mm-hmm. He was uh an international signee in 2020. Um it was, I mean, it was by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, they called him the Martian. I mean, yeah. he's he's you know, he's super thick built. He's not big. Like when, they, when you hear him talk about it, you make it, they make it seem like he's going to be like eight feet tall. He's mm-hmm. five, nine, yeah. right? Like he's not, he's not that big. He's just right. really thick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's in the, in the majors. My expectation is if, if he can figure out, he's got all the tools except for hit, right? Which is just, again, it's really easy to fall in love with this kind of prospect. It's also very hard for this kind of prospect to find their way uh, to a long-term big league career. Uh, he probably isn't truly ready till 2025. That's when I would expect a full season in the majors from Jason Dominguez. Uh, he is a top 50 prospect. And again, a lot of it is because he's, you know, he's fast, he's mm-hmm. strong. Uh, he can hit the ball hard, but he has, uh, you know, he does, he struggled a little bit with ground balls this season uh, in, in double a, he's someone that you'd like to see or, and triple a, you'd like to see him kind of get the ball up in the air more. Um, but he does, you know, he pulls the ball. Well, he just strikes out too much. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's, that's his thing. Um, he, that's he's had it. I mean, players, man. <laughs> yeah. It, it, like he strikes out a lot because he doesn't have that hit tool. Uh, he is walking though. I mean, he does walk plenty so he could find success with his profile, but uh, just don't get wrapped up and you probably haven't been, but especially if you're in the card collecting community, the hype was enormous mm-hmm. for Jason Dominguez. So just, if you just forget about all that and think of him as like a top 25 to 50 prospect with plenty of tools uh, and a hit tool that really needs to catch up, you could find something interesting. He's just like impossible to trade for because the value will always be too high. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the uh, last uh, player I'll just mention from the Yankees standpoint uh, is Oswell Peraza that uh, they called him up uh, earlier this week as well. He's been playing third base every day for the Yanks. 
Um, obviously, we're not going to see Josh Donaldson back uh, uh, this season. And uh, with Rizzo, Anthony Rizzo on the IL, DJ LeMay, who's been playing first. And, you know, I dropped him in my tout. Wars League finally after holding on to for so many weeks and uh, and now all of a sudden he's just tearing it up hit, hit two home runs on Friday night and but anyway uh, but for me with when it comes to Peraza I mean I, I I liked him you know just as a minor leaguer and just watching what he had done there you know uh, batted uh, two seventy three with a three forty eight OBP and a four two four slug in six minor league seasons. But almost like been there, done that. I mean, he, he, I mean, I'm not saying that you just toss him aside, but um, you know, Yanks just trying to see, I guess, if he could gain some traction, you know, and maybe, you know, get hot leading up into next season. But he's somebody that we spoke about earlier in the year as well. But uh, for me, uh, he's not somebody that I'd look to roster at this stage. Yeah, he's likely to become an everyday shortstop uh, because he's he's good with the glove. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, he, he can field pretty well. Um, he's not like a defensive wizard, like a Jose Iglesias type, but he's someone who, you know, he hits, he hits well enough, uh, that you want the glove in the lineup. The, the main problem is that the fielding really is sort of what he brings to the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not going to be someone who really wows you with the bat. Um, I'm trying to think of like a, a decent comp for that right now, especially at shortstop. But I mean, he is, he is likely to always be a light hitting middle infielder who can run a little bit. Mm. Right. But you know, 15 home runs is probably the most he'd ever hit in a season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he sort of, you know, I, I think the outcome to hope for to say like, man, I hope he's like this is like JP Crawford, but can steal bases. Right. Right. JP Crawford, uh, has shown that in you know in two of the last three seasons he's hit better than two sixty you know two sixty five or better. Uh, he's a he's a good defensive shortstop uh, at times. Um, he but it's a it's a slappy sort of profile with you know very limited power. Uh, Crawford doesn't run, and I think that uh, Peraza will, but mm-hmm. that's about it. There's just not a lot of intrigue in in him right now. Yeah, and he's not going to be the Yankee shortstop because obviously. They have <laughs> a one, and uh, but you know, I guess if the Yanks decide to second or third, he'll, he'll be. Yeah, I was going to say if uh, Glaber seems to be like one of their top, um, you know, uh, offers for in trades, you know, uh, trade uh, chip. So maybe if they get rid of uh, uh, Glaber over the season, Glaber Torres, and maybe he could, uh, you know, become their project could become their starting second baseman, but we'll see. Um, all right, let's move on to the Yanks' uh, uh, arch rival, Boston Red Sox. The Yankees have a couple arch rivals, the Astros being one of them, but the Red Sox being another. William Abreu uh, getting some playing time with uh, Jaron Duran on the IL due to a left toe sprain. Um, and he's been in a walking boot, so you don't know how long he's going to be out. You need your toe to hit, right? Uh, to pivot and, and whatnot. So we'll see how long he's going to be out, but uh, Abreu in his first four games, six for 13 with five RBI uh, was hitting 274 with 22 home runs and 65 RBI and eight stolen bases in 86 games for the Red Sox AAA affiliate. Um, another guy that strikes out a lot, but he also walked a lot. So, um, I don't know if you look at him as more of a streaming option, Scott, you know, basically 
catch lightning in a bottle while he's hot and, and getting some regular playing time? Yeah, that's that's possible, right? But uh, two things. Number one, it's hard to see a lot of playing time for Willie Abreu right now. Of course, he comes in right at the time when Adam Duvall has heated up like crazy, right? Alex yeah, Verdugo, turned, you know, he's been really good lately, and Masataka mm-hmm. Yoshida's having a good season, right? That's the outfield. So if you're going to play him, you sort of have to like find other guys to sit. They did sit Yoshida one time uh, to get him in the lineup. And I think the other, the other sit was uh, Cassis took a seat for a day to let Justin Turner play first base. And that was how they got Yoshida. You know, they, they had like Yoshida DH, but you know, he's played in two of his first four games. um, And that is probably going to be the issue for me in 12 teamers. It's hard to see, Will your Abreu, you know, be a, uh, be an everyday guy. Now I liked that the strikeout rate looked much better in AAA this season compared to years past. It was a lot better. Uh, but you know, he'd still probably in the major strikeout 25 ish percent of the time. I, again, I, I don't want to just, I, I hate that. I'm always like, Oh, I don't like this prospect. I don't like this prospect You're in so 12 teamers. I don't like this prospect in 12 teamers because most prospects don't work out in 12 teamers. Mm-hmm. Like that's just kind of the way it is. Right. Um, especially these guys like William Abreu, who were, I mean, he wasn't even in his team's top 10 mm-hmm. prospects, right? Like this is a guy who uh, doesn't have a great hit tool. His overall ceiling is probably pretty low, but is there a chance he becomes like a 15 home run, 15 stolen base guy? If he figures out how to hit better than 230? Sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to see a batting average better than 230 to, you know, 250. Yeah. Right. I mean, he, he'd have to, ch- I mean, maybe if he brings over that plate discipline that he showed in the minors this season and it translates really, really well to the majors, then sure. But otherwise this is just, he's a, he's got limited upside because he's not ever going to hit 25 home runs. Probably he's not, I mean, yeah, I know he had a bunch of them in the minor leagues this season, but in the majors, I am not sure I see that happening quite so much. Uh, now lefty, you know, lefties could hit some home runs for Boston, but, but again, he's not someone that I'm super excited about, uh, but in 12 teamers and mostly because if he sits twice a week as an outfielder, no, thanks. Hmm. And you mentioned uh, Adam Duvall. He's somebody that I'm actually looking at to pick up in my tout league because I lost Jaron Duran and, and it's a five outfield, the league. So there aren't that many uh, quality outfielders left out there, but he's been hot lately. When you look at what he's done over the, he's had, uh, Six home runs and 15 RBI over his last 24 games, uh, not killing you with batting average, batting 275 over that time span. And, you know, especially when he plays at home, uh, you know, he's been uh, much better, you know, with that uh, green monster as a righty hitter. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that Duval might be a, a nice uh, ad that maybe I could sneak him through in the waivers this weekend. As long as you're ready to let him go when he stinks again. Absolutely. Duvall has yep. been a streaky hitter his whole career, and nothing about that has changed. His overall batting line this season is still really heavily inflated by the unreal start to the season he had. Mm-hmm. Uh, over 33 plate appearances because he doesn't have that many plate appearances this season. But, um, you know, he's been good now, and there's no reason he couldn't be good for a few more weeks before, yeah. you know, he goes back to being Adam Duvall. Yeah, just looking to ride the hot streak for now, Scott. So uh, this would be a good spot for us to take our second and last break of the podcast. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about Corey Lee and Michael Bush and uh, also a few other players that have been making some noise on Scott's hitter list. We'll talk about all of those players right after this. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat. 
But Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, we're back. Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. Joe Galina and Scott Chu with you for our final segment. And uh, we've been talking about uh, some of the recent call-ups in baseball. And uh, Corey Lee, catcher for the White Sox, uh, that the White Sox got at the trade deadline when they sent Kendall Graveman to the Astros. And uh, Lee is another one of these guys, uh, free swing. Sh- I can't speak free swinger, Scott, but lots of power to his bat. Um, uh, looks like the White Sox are just going to let him play every day. And why not? Let's see uh, what, what they've got with them right in this uh, trade that they made. Um, any interest, at least in two catcher leagues? I mean, he's playing, right? Because he's a body, right? <laughs> he's a body at catcher, right? Mm. And I guess they finally had enough of Yasmani Grandal. Mm. Um, so he's he's played two games in a row. Uh, Grandal's still on the roster. So on one hand, he is expected to play, and he has power, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I think there's some real power here, particularly like you know when you're considering it, it's a catcher. He could be a guy who hits 15 to 20 home runs in catcher playing time, like 100, and, mm-hmm. 100 to 120 games. Um, might steal a base or two because he's young, right? Not because he's like necessarily that fast, but um, he, you know, he can run better than most catchers. Uh, but he's also going to hit 210, um, which, you know, he's a catcher. He's a second catcher. So that's yeah. fine. He is, he is the epitome of I don't have a second catcher. So I need a second catcher. Like yeah. that's <laughs> just looking that, at that's catch it. some of that lightning off his bat and like his power bat basically, but not expecting much, like you said, in terms of batting average, especially with a guy that strikes out like he does. Yeah. And he's never been much of a walker. So mm-hmm. it yeah, that unlikely to see that either. Um yeah, you just hope he hits a he hits a couple home runs. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Michael Bush. B-U-S-C-H, in case you look for him on, uh, you know, one of the sites. Uh, Dodgers prospect was called up because J.D. Martinez went to the I.L. with a groin issue. Um, Bush has uh, struggled so far in his time in the major leagues, but uh, really has killed it in Triple A uh, this season, uh, batting three twenty three with a 1.046 OPS, 24 homers, 82 RBI in 88 games. Uh, for the Dodgers AAA affiliate. Again, it's PCL, so you take that as a grain of, of, of salt. But, uh, you know, he uh, and I feel like all we're talking about is strikeouts in this podcast, but um, in his first turn uh, in the major leagues, struck out over 30% of the time. But 
that's not part of his profile in the minors. You know, just uh, struck out just about 19% of the time. So, uh, and actually has walked over 14% of the time uh, in the minor league. So three straight starts so far. Like I said, we're recording this on Saturday, August 26th, batting eighth. Any interest in uh, Michael Bush and what he could do for your uh, fantasy team? So I expect Bush to be on the large side of La Platoon mm-hmm. uh, simply because, you know, he's a lefty and his team has so many lefties. Uh, their their role for Bush appears to be having him DH. Like they're not even really having him play the infield. So uh, with Bush, it, again, he he's up right now. Uh, I wouldn't call it a cup of coffee. It's it's more of a Bush latte uh, <laughs> for, for him, but it's because J.D. Martinez is out. Right. Mm-hmm. So he might be able to carve out a uh, part of a platoon when JD and Martinez comes back, which will be before the end of the season, just maybe not for another two weeks or so. Uh, but otherwise I'm interested in his profile overall based on what he did this season, even though Bush's, you know, stat line is sort of inflated because it's PCL WRC plus accounts for that gave him a 149. So he was 49% better than the average hitter in the PCL. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is something here. And what I loved was that, you know, strikeouts. Once again, they were down, Mm -hmm. uh, they were down this season in triple a. So, you know, he could, he could have like a very manageable 25% strikeout rate or something like that. I think that would be a big deal that, you know, the only, the only real downside from a fan from fantasy perspective of Bush coming up is he's certainly not someone I'm looking at in 12 team leagues right now because he's a platoon and he makes Ahmed Rosario basically completely droppable. Mm. Rosario was getting some time uh, in various spots in the, you know, in the infield and DH and things like that. And he's only played in two of the last six games, Mm -hmm. Rosario. So uh, you can let him go. Uh, He's only going to play against lefties. And when it's a righty, this team is going to throw out every left-hander they have, mm-hmm. which is Peralta, Hayward, Outman, and Bush. Yeah. Okay. All right. So um, that does it for the uh, recent call-ups. Uh, like I said, kind of a, a lackluster group, right? Uh, no obvious um, starters there. But uh, let's talk a little bit about the, the hitter list, your uh, weekly article that comes out. And just uh, going over some of your comments. And uh, so you, you mentioned about Bobby Witt, and it's always good to see a young player like Bobby Witt make progressions and improvements to the game. And uh, when you look at what this guy has done over the past eh, almost a month, 24 games, nine home runs, 24 RBI, eight stolen bases while batting 376. And you talk about, that he's made improvements in his uh, plate discipline and decision-making at the plate. And, you know, uh, he's basically, he's a a shortstop, right? Uh, I know he could play third base as well, but the shortstop position, you know, next year is kind of muddled a little bit with maybe Juan DeFranco might not be available. And, you know, Trey Turner took a little bit of a step back this season. So, uh, Witt could be a, a solid first round pick next season. And he's 14th on your hitter list. Yeah. And he's probably like the number two guy for the MVP, other than the fact that the Royals are terrible, mm. right? He's actually, yeah, he's number two in the AL in war. Uh, last I took a look, uh, at least in the second half, potentially for the whole season, he's Bobby Witt. I, so I put some charts in there that our data team has been so good about creating Uh, And and what I talked about was decision value, right? So Mm -hmm. decision, 
when we when you just look at plate discipline, there's a couple ways to improve your plate discipline without making better decisions, right? Michael Harris, uh, the second is actually a good example of this. So Michael Harris uh, like keeps his strikeout rate low because he just makes contact with everything, mm-hmm. right? Like he, he's not making great decisions. It's just that he's so physically gifted that he doesn't care that that's a hard pitch to hit, right? A uh, decision value is a really cool metric because normally when you're looking at metrics, you're looking at like, you know, zone, you know, zone contact and, and chase rate and things like that, which are important metrics, but there's more to it than just swing it stuff in the zone, mm-hmm. right? Because there are pitches in the zone that particularly based on the count or based on, um, you know, handedness or based on pitcher strength or the type of pitch they throw, you don't want it, right? Like it's mm-hmm. just not a good pitch to hit, right? If they throw that slider and it's perfect to the bottom corner, right? And it's in the zone. That doesn't mean you want it, right? right? As a hitter, there's just not much damage you can do to a pitch like that, right? So our decision value metric looks at that and says, you know, it, it's a good decision if they chose to swing and the hitter outcomes on average for that pitch are good, mm-hmm. right? Not this pitch or not this player specifically, but in general, the outcomes are good. They also get credit when they take a pitch and the overall outcomes for that pitch season, you know, across, uh, across season include, and we take into account the count, the type of pitch, the velocity, the spin, we take all that in account. So we say similar pitches with this velocity, spin location, uh, in this count tend to have bad outcomes and you took the pitch, right? That's good. Mm-hmm. Right. So you get credit for that. You lose credit for swinging at stuff that you can't do damage to and taking pitches that you could have hit well. Right. And again, we take into account like they don't lose credit for uh, taking a 3 0 fastball down the pipe. Right. We don't penalize them for that because we know that that's what you're supposed to do. Right. It's good to, you know, taking that pitch doesn't hurt and actually swinging at it often doesn't help your at bat. Hmm. So uh, Bobby Witt last season had a nice little run of decision making and then was just like below the 10th percentile in the league quite a bit for the second half. Really, really struggled. And we saw that in the numbers. This season, Bobby Witt Jr. started out really rough. He was not making good decisions. But since, you know, he had this really nice surge across the middle of the season, he starts falling again, which is normal, right? Like you start getting attacked differently. You have to make different decisions. It's not just you make the same decisions all the time. He has to start making different decisions. What I loved is that he caught himself earlier. You know, he still went down pretty low, but he bounced back quick. He's already back up to MLB average, right? Over the course Mm -hmm. of maybe... 400 pitches and it doesn't sound like much but bobby witt jr is really talented right bobby witt jr is the kind of guy i don't need him to be juan soto making constantly 90th percentile decisions right Mm -hmm. i don't need bobby witt to do that to be successful i need bobby witt jr to be a league average decision maker and he can be an amazing fantasy asset because he's great with the bat uh he can put a lot of stuff in play and he's fast enough to run out infield singles if he has to Mm -hmm. right so that's what I want from Bobby Witt. That's what I'm seeing. That's what I love. So, you know, again, um, you can go to our site. We have these great PLV values. I find the hitter charts to be a fantastic resource in helping you understand skills, right? Not results. Mm-hmm. Decision, our decision value metric is not about results, right? The decision value metric is purely about approach. And that's what I want to know about a young player. True. So it's it's just hugely valuable in understanding what a player is up to what, you know, what have they been able to do? And if they're doing something different, like why, right? Mm-hmm. Are there, are there underlying skill changes versus nope, just random flukiness, right? We do have a, a, uh, 
a stat on here called hitter performance. And it is based totally on results, right? It's not approach based. It's just, you know, what are the outcomes compared to the average outcomes for the pitches that they see? Right. And it's, it's really cool, but it doesn't tell you who's lucky and who's good. Right. It just tells you, uh, it, it doesn't tell, it can't discern the difference between a hot streak and proper talent. Right. It, mm-hmm. it can't tell you about sustainability approach is much better at doing that. Right. I mean, I had that whole rant last week about who's like, how do you tell the difference between hot and, you know, hot and like a real change. And one way, like our, our metrics are really good at doing that. Mm-hmm. They can help you see like, Oh, I'm seeing a change in results and look, there's something to it. Right. It might not stick. We see Christopher Morrell go way up in decision value just to watch it totally crater out again. Uh, it, he's really struggled with consistency and adapting to ways that pitchers pitch to him. So he struggled to maintain any kind of success uh, for longer than a couple of weeks. It doesn't help that he's bad at hitting strikes. Hmm. So it just makes him even flukier. And that's why right now, my opinion of Morel never really changes when he's hot. Right. right? Cause I'm like, I don't care that you can get hot. I care that you, you know, can do it for a month. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. I start, you know, but he, he just has not shown the ability to do that. So, um, that's, you know, that's something I really look for. And that's why I was so excited about Bobby Wood Jr. Because I see a change, right? It's Mm -hmm. not that he's making the best decisions. It's like, Hey, look, he's stopping. He's stopping the downturns earlier and he's rebounding faster. That is what adaptation looks like in the major leagues. Nobody has a rolling chart that is flat. Right. Mm -hmm. And if it is flat, it's because there's not enough sample. Right. Right. What, or your samples way, way, way too big. Right. Uh, but when you look at a rolling chart and you see that the where the bottoms are of these all of these hills and valleys, when those valleys start uh, higher up and they last for shorter amounts of time, it's exactly what I'm looking for in a hitter. Bobby Wood is doing that. I am much more interested in him for next season than I was before. Then just think, you know, because I hadn't taken that deep dive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't hurt that he has an underlying uh, top skill set. So, but uh, good stuff on Bobby Witt. Um, we talked briefly about Bryce Harper. Looks like his power is coming back, which, man, you know, he's he's been good already, uh, batting over three hundred for the season. But now, uh, if the power could come back to the way it has in in the past, man, he could just carry the the, you know, the Phillies on his back uh, all the way through the the playoffs. And uh, just speaking of the Phillies, two things I'll say: um, you know, the, the Philly fans and Philadelphia fans in general known to be very tough, but they really got behind Trey Turner, gave him like a standing ovation, like in early August when he was really slumping and he's kind of turned it around a little bit too. And then I look at uh, the, the Phillies lineup also, when I look at the box scores and I still can't get used to seeing Kyle Schwaber uh, leading off batting like 184. I know he hits tons of home runs. Uh, the last I looked, his OBP was like three twenties, three low three thirties, but it's kind of weird, but uh, just, it, it's good to see that Harper's, uh, powers back and uh, it kind of uh, ties into what you said before about you know it took a while for Max Muncy to get back and and also in terms of you know, get back his power and also in terms of Otani God forbid that if he does need Tommy Jordan surgery uh, that you know it might take him just a little time to get his power back as well yeah and again it, it was pure faith on Harper. I, I was assuming that it was an injury thing. I, I think it's important to call out that it was an assumption. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't have any special knowledge there. I still don't. 
right? I, I don't know if this is because he's healthier or if he's made some kind of mechanical adjustment. I don't know what it is, but that narrative certainly fits. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Bryce Harper was, you know, he came back a lot earlier than I think many of us thought. And, you know, the only thing missing was power. Everything else was there. So I love seeing that. I agree with you on Schwarber. I really wish he hit like third or fourth. It just make a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but teams love leading him off. Yeah. And I, I don't know why, because it's not as though he has better results there uh, over his career. He doesn't. Yeah, the started he, it, they, right? Uh, years they just, ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they just like doing it. It's the mm-hmm. cool thing to do. Uh, Alec Bohm has had a much better season, I think, than many of us expected. Uh, so so that's been good. However, what you'll notice is that, like, this is what a breakout for Alex Bohm looks like. Mm-hmm. Or Alec Bohm. Alec Bohm is a guy who, by the end of the season, probably won't have 20 home runs. But, like, 20 is the cap. Right. Right. But like, that's a breakout for him. He's not a huge power guy. Uh, He hits, I mean, the way he, uh, the way he approaches his, as bat, his at bats is he can have these high slugging percentages because of doubles. Mm -hmm. Right. Like he just, he doesn't hit the ball that hard. He almost never pulls the ball. Uh, He hits a ton. Like he's one of the few players that hits more balls up the middle than in either direction. Right. And actually this season, he's got a pull rate under 30%. You almost never see that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, especially, you know, for for a guy who, you know, is is hitting well. Right. You generally see because you get the most power to the pull field. He just hits a ton of stuff up the middle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alec Bohm. So uh, he's most valuable in points leagues. His upside in other leagues is just capped because he's really just a good batting average plus you know, up to 20 home runs, probably more like 15. Most years he's at 14 right now. Uh, that, that's just what he is. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't steal. Uh, he'll have like five by the end of the season at best. So that's, that's what he is, but it is worth calling out that there's some value there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's, he's been interesting. Bryson Stott has been better oh, than yeah. I expected. He, he was really streaky last season. Uh, he's been one of the players that really seems like he, he has some, like he, he's not very fast uh, Bryson Stott, but the, the rule changes and strategy changes that came with it mm-hmm. uh, for stolen bases. He was one of the big benefactors. So he now looks like a year too early. Yeah. 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 So he kind of looks like a 15 home run. So here's the thing too. He, his value really did change a lot because he was incredibly streaky last season. This season, Mm -hmm. he's been a little bit up and down, but the problem with that before with Bryson Stott is that he's really streaky and the upside was 15 home runs, 15 stolen bases Mm -hmm. and an okay batting average. And that's fine. Right? Like that's, that's actually not that good for a 12 teamer. Mm -hmm especially if you don't have a middle infield spot and, and all that stuff. Uh, but now that the upside's more like 15, 25, right. And the batting and batting average has been much, much better. It's much higher than I expected to be going forward. But if he can hit, you know, hitting 250 and being a 15, 25 guy, I mean, that's really different, right? That's how you get out of the middle. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't sound like that much. Like how valuable are the 10 stolen bases? It's less that the 10 stolen bases are directly like super valuable as much as it is like, how do you get out of the middle of the pack? How are you better than what I could stream week to week? Mm-hmm. Right. And Bryson Stott is better. Like now, now looks like he is better than that. And that's why I care. Mm-hmm. It's not the 10 stolen bases themselves as much as the fact that he was sort of in the middle to middle to upper end of like streamer kind of middle infielder. And now he's like solidly, this is a guy that you just keep all year. That's sure. where the big difference is for him, especially in a 12 teamer. Yeah, well, I mean, he had a really good minor league career uh, in three years, batted 300 with uh, an 885 OPS, you know, 
uh, some power, some speed. But, uh, yeah, like I said, I was in on him just one year too early. But uh, good stuff on your part. Um, do you want to go on a Tigers rant? I know that Torkelson, Spencer, Spencer Torkelson, Torkelson, baby. Uh, up 17 I, you know, the, to, to 73 on your hitter list, man. Yeah. So here's the thing. It's not just that Torque is hot. He's been hot a few times this season, only for it to go away. What I've noticed that's different this time, the fly ball rate took a big spike, mm-hmm. right? So uh, I don't expect him to have like a 60% fly ball rate all the time, but while he's hot right now and he's getting the ball in the air and he's pulling those fly balls. We've been waiting for him to do that all season long, right? And because he's doing that, uh, that's where you're fine. I mean, he had real power. I, I know I say it all the time. He is one of the best college hitters of the last decade. And mm-hmm. I've been waiting for this to happen. I think that, you know, now that he's getting the ball off the ground more, he's getting it more in the air. It's playing. It's letting his power play more, right? He's pulling the ball more. That's letting his power play more. Uh, those are the things that are turning some of his outs and singles into doubles and home runs. That's all it is. It's, it's angle, right? Like, mm-hmm. is it up or is it down? So uh, he's hitting the ball up in the air a lot more. And that tells me that this isn't just like he caught a couple easy hits and, or, you know, it, it's, it doesn't feel like it's just luck here with torque. I think that he's a locked in top 75 ish hitter rest of the season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's, he's doing a lot for what we're going to see in him next season. I also love that the the tigers as a whole are hitting pretty well right now. We talked about Kerry Carpenter uh, last week and ever since he's been even better. Right. Yeah. I mean, they, they've slumped a little bit over the last week or so, but not that bad. Uh, I will point out that I talk about guys who hit a lot of line drives and who have zone contact problems. If you look in the second half, Riley green actually falls into that bucket. Mm-hmm. Reason I'm not worried about Riley green is number one, because I don't want to be, I love Riley green, but number two, uh, because he's shown us that he can give us zone contact rates above 80% for extended periods of time. Uh, mm-hmm. he just doesn't have it right this second. So it's not as though, uh, any amount of time in that range is bad. It's more like if you're always in that range of zone contact, less than 80%, then I'm worried, but that hasn't been the case so far with Riley green in his career. So, you know, if it persists, it will certainly be something I look at as a potential problem and that will cap his upside because it could turn him into a streakier player. But, you know, Riley green, Spencer Torkelson, Kerry Carpenter, those guys, you know, are, are really, you know, they're really interesting for fantasy, not just this season, but next season, especially if they can, you know, keep playing. I'd love to talk about Akil Badu because he's done a few things lately. Uh, however, he only plays against righties, so he's not <laughs> relevant in, in most formats. So as we wind down, uh, tell me that Francisco Alvarez is not the next Gary Sanchez. Oh, that Gary is scary. In terms of a guy who hits a, for a lot of power, but no batting average, takes a tumble down your hitter list. Uh, tw- 29 spots he drops to number 132, hopefully just experiencing some typical rookie growing pains. Just two home runs in his past 20 games, though. Yeah, so it, it's been ugly, right? His last home run, he had a home run on the first day of the month, and he hasn't hit one since. Hmm. Uh, it's, you know, there, there's some there's some ups and downs you can always expect, especially with rookie catchers. I've talked about that before. Here, Here's the good news for you, Joe. The plate discipline looks fine, mm-hmm. right? The month of August, 72 plate appearances, 12.5% walk rate, 23.6% strikeout rate. So basically two to one, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I got no issue with that, right? And if Alvarez, if if I looked at August, his bad August for Alvarez, and I saw a 5% walk rate and a 30% strikeout rate, he'd be off the list, 
right? Mm-hmm. He'd just be gone, right? And I, I do not begrudge a single person trying to get into the playoffs who needs a hot catcher. Mm-hmm. Let him go. That's fine, right? Um, catcher, catcher is a streamable position. The replacement level is pretty high because we see better catchers out there this year. If a Yaner Diaz is out there, go get him. Yeah, go get him. I, I'm not going to stop you at all, mm-hmm. right? Or if you want to go stream Cal Raley, go do it. Go do. It. I mean, someone probably already picked him up in your league, but go ahead and stream catchers, right? I, I got no issue there. What I will say is, I like that the Mets have not really put him below seventh in the lineup. Uh, he's only been uh, below seventh one time this month. I love that the strikeout, you know, he struck out more lately in his last couple of games, but he had a ton of no strikeout games uh, in the middle of the month. The approach is still good. It's the results that aren't there. And what it's telling me is that it's a quality of contact problem, not a contact problem. Mm-hmm. Gary Sanchez had contact problems. Yes. Right. He just missed very well. All the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Alvarez not having the same problem. Right. So I, I think that there is some hope there. Uh, again, he's never going to be a batting average asset. Francisco Alvarez, right? Even in his, you know, even his good seasons in the minors, his very best in double a was, uh, two seventy seven last season in triple a, uh, he was very good, but it was still only a two thirty four batting average. And it's because quality of contact can be an issue. Now the overall bail rate is good. Uh, mm-hmm. the hard hit rate is good, right? Th- those things are all fine. I got again, not a ton of issues with what's happening. It's mostly just that, you know, he's never going to leg out an infield, you know, an infield single and he doesn't hit line drives. He's very much a ground ball or fly ball kind of guy, uh, just with the way that Alvarez swings. So, you know, again, it, it's a ton of raw power. It takes some time for that to really settle in. He's a true catcher. So he's also learning, uh, you know, his battery, his battery mates. So it's tough long-term, no issue, like long-term not concerned for this season. I mean, in a redraft, go ahead. Like mm-hmm. he, he might get hot and you'll have a chance to pick him back up. Ain't nobody, no one's going to pick him up before then. All right. So uh, basically, uh, that kind of slams the lid on things for this week, Scott. You've got some babies to take care of. We actually had uh, a little guest star for a little while, which was pretty cool. Yeah, my son's up. You you knocked the you knocked the girl out. She's I mean, much <laughs> like my wife, she's very bored of us right now. But uh, my my son was apparently interested, so yeah, uh, Finley was kind of paying attention and. And all that stuff. Um, you know, if I was going to add anything about uh, about the list, I would say, you know, the back end, if you've been watching the list, uh, you'll notice it. It just changes constantly. Um, every single person I as of right now, pretty much every hitter ranked outside the top, uh, you know, in a 12 teamer, like outside the top 126, easily droppable. Mm-hmm. Like Orlando Arcia, I know that he's been slumping yeah. bad. He went down forty slots, and you wonder if Vaughn Grissom's going to get some playing time. But he, you know, he hasn't played uh, in like three days, so yeah, uh, just doesn't make sense I, I got, to me. Look, your situation at this time of year drives everything, mm-hmm. right? So if if you need to, like, I, I tell people all the time in in the the Reddit AMA, look, if you're chasing a specific thing, you can cut an okay. It's okay to let okay players go. Mm-hmm. If you think that'll be the difference between you winning your matchup or not, right? That's okay. Mm-hmm. I, I got no beef, right? Like I, I constantly talk about how I'm very concerned about Zach Eloff long-term because of the things I see in the underlying metrics, but he ranks 103rd because he's hot right now. There's no one in their right mind that would drop him right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I would note that Dalton Varsho has been climbing up the ranks. Uh, he finds himself at 106. He's having a pretty strong last couple of weeks. So he was you know almost I was surprised that batting 201 against right-handed pitching this year. 
Bar show. Really weird yeah. season for, for him. And, and he's not really a factor Real next season because he won't be catcher eligible. Mm-hmm. But but someone to keep an eye on. Um, Verdugo dropped 37. And then, of course, like as soon as I did that, he started heating up. So mm-hmm. Verdugo, uh, he's looking better. Well, he doesn't um, want to look bad. Yeah. He sees the list. He sees he's dropping the list. And he's just, you know, focusing more. Yeah, I know. I mean, a lot of players, I'm sure, take it very, very seriously. Of course. Uh, they absolutely McNeil, know it, you, absolutely you, you know it up, exists. Uh, yeah, you moved him up 21 to 108. And you just wonder if Lindor finally bought him the car. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, I mean, that... <laughs> I mean, it's hard data that we rely on mm-hmm. uh, for the back of the year. Uh, the other person I, you know, one player that had a ton of hype that I know some folks are holding, hoping something will happen. Christian Encarnacion Strand, um, let him go. He's still on the list. And technically he went up six points because there was a bunch of people I had to take off because of injuries or they'd just been bad. Um, he's so, he's really droppable, right? Dynasty, I mean, you know, you, you care, he's a hold. But in shallow keeper and redraft, it's not Encarnacion Strand, right? Mm-hmm. He's He's just... Encarnacion Strand is is a guy who could have, you know, it's a classic example of being great in the minors does not mean you'll be great in the majors right away. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean he won't be later, but it doesn't happen right away all the time, no matter how hot you were. Oh, yeah. In Dynasty, so, you hold on to him. <laughs> I mean, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. nobody, nobody, nobody's suggesting he shouldn't. But in mm-hmm. redraft, you can absolutely let him go. Mm-hmm. Right? You can absolutely let him go. If you need speed, go grab a Cabrian Hayes. Right? Mm-hmm. He, he yeah, plays. He's, he's, he's doing on. some stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? Like. There's plenty of guys out there that you can go do something with and, and, you know, get more than you're probably getting right now with Encarnacion Strand. Mm-hmm. All right. Good stuff. All right. So that uh, basically, uh, like I said, slams the lid on things for this week. You follow this guy. His name is Scott Chu. Follow him on the app formerly known as Twitter. Now it's got a big X on it. Uh, he's at if the Chu fits. Follow me at Joe Galena. Uh, and uh, as always, what we'd like to say is that we hope that all of your fantasies become realities. And we'll see you next time.